Welcome to Spotlights, a series of online events and publications focusing on a particular group of victim survivors who are often hidden from services. Continuing on from our interview with Jasvinder Sangira, CBE and founder and CEO of Karma Nirvana, here my colleague Deirdre speaks to both Jasvinder and Priya Manora, the helpline manager for Karma Nirvana's National Helpline. In her interview, Priya speaks about her own inspiration for the work she does, the experiences of the victim, survivors and professionals she supports on a daily basis and emphasises the need for awareness and understanding amongst professionals regarding the rights and remedies available to victims of honour-based violence and forced marriage. We hope you find this podcast as informative as we have. So Priya, you're the manager of the National Support Line for Comer Nirvana. Can you tell me a bit about yourself, what led you to do this work and how long you've been doing it for? So I have been with Carmen Nirvana since 2009 and mm-hmm. I started off as a volunteer myself um, and the, the thing that brought me to Carmen Nirvana actually in fact was Jasvinder's book, Shame. Okay. Uh, so I had read that as a university student, yep. um, read it in a day, couldn't put it down and, um, and, and then just decided that you know from there I wanted to help um, and, and then Carmen Nirvana had a, a training programme in 2009 and Funnily enough, I graduated that year, so I came on to the, the volunteer programme. Um, and, and then when a job opportunity came up, I, I applied and I, I started as a senior call handler. So mm-hmm. that was me then working on the helpline, and that was seven years ago. Um, and then I've just sort of developed from there into the role of the helpline manager. Um, I still get to take calls and support victims mm-hmm. and survivors and professionals on the helpline. Um, so that's really sort of how I came about at Carmen Nirvana and, and where I am now. Great. And can you tell me a bit about the support line? Who is it for? Sure. Um, so the, the helpline runs Monday to, um, well, seven days a week now. Yeah. Uh, but Monday to Friday it runs at 9 o'clock in the morning till 9pm at night. Mm-hmm. And then on Saturday, Saturday and Sunday we're here from 10 till 4. Yeah. Um, so we support anybody, um, you know, men, women, um, children who may be affected by forced marriage and on a base abuse. Mm-hmm. Um, and what our call handlers will do, they're all trained to provide practical and emotional support to victims and survivors. Mm-hmm. Um, what we do also get, and 42%, as you will have heard, uh, Jasmine to say, 42% of our calls are from professionals. Yep. So the call handlers are not only just supporting and are trained to support victims and survivors, they're also trained to support those professionals as well. So that yep. can range from police officers to social workers to teachers and health professionals um, and and what we will do is we you know we'll, we'll provide emotional support we'll provide practical support we'll provide advocacy and signpost people as well on to, to other services great so you said you've been with the organization for seven years is that what you said that's right yes nearly seven years yes. yeah it'll be seven years coming up and how have you seen the support line change over those years that has changed it has changed incredibly, like yeah. massively changed. Um, <laughs> so when I first started at Cam Nirvana, I was um, 
the, the only call handler and uh, one of my colleagues who worked part time, um, and we now have nine call handlers. Wow. So um, I, I, and then there's myself as well. So there's ten helpline um, staff members. So that's just sort of an indication of how it's really grown. Um, what we've seen is a, is a pattern sort of in 2013 where where it really spiked and we saw an increase in calls. And we were at the time going out and doing roadshows. So those were sort of half-day um, presentations, yeah. multi-agency um, presentations, and often the police would help us to organise that, and we would invite health professionals, teachers, social workers, etc., to that event, also people from the voluntary sector, mm-hmm. prof- professionals from the voluntary sector as well. Um, and from there, the awareness increased, and we yeah. saw that impact on the helpline. Um, those professionals that attended those roadshows, then they'd tell other colleagues, yeah. and, and that's where we saw a spike. And... And then we've just seen it increase from then. Um, and then also with our out-of-hour service that started last August, August 2016, mm-hmm. uh, we've now seen an increase in those calls in the evenings. And um, we've seen that there, were, there was that need on an evening and a weekend. So we managed to secure some funding, thankfully, for that service. Yeah. Um, and, and now we're able to respond to those calls that come through, uh, which are usually crisis calls mm-hmm. that we find on an evening and weekend. So, mm-hmm. you know, you've, not, you've got you know, women or, or men alike who have just turned up to police stations yeah. and the police will be calling us saying, you know, where can we put this person for the, you know, for the night? They've fled the family, they're going to be forced to marry. Uh, you know, we've got a 16-year-old girl who has ran away from her family, fled the home because, you know, she was at risk of honour-based abuse, at risk of being taken abroad to be married. And, uh, you know, and she's been taken to a women's refuge for her own safety, but she's now feeling isolated, you know, so, so we're there. Uh, you know, for those people, and they're they're the sort of calls we find are coming mm. through during the evening and weekend. Sounds like a high pressure job to have to know what to do in that moment of crisis. Absolutely, it is. I mean, we we provide training to all the the staff on the helpline. They do a fantastic job, um, but we all make sure that, uh, and it's great because all the call handlers do debrief with one another during yeah. the day and we'll talk about the sort of calls we've had uh, but they know that they have a, a support network of senior call handlers and myself as mm-hmm. well um, so you know we'll talk to each other about things that come through and help each other through you know those things and come up with solutions together really um, you know about what we can we can do but make sure that everybody's okay and they've switched off and left things yeah. you know at, at, in the office before you know they kind of head off because it definitely is you know a high pressure job and you don't know what you're going to pick up on the phone that's the no. thing Mm-hmm. You know, you could have, uh, you know, just a, a general inquiry by, a, you know, from a professional, or it could be somebody in crisis situation who's at yeah. immediate risk, you know, who's unsafe in their house and, you know, and needs to get out. So um, it's it's very rewarding, though, and I have to say from my six years that I was on the helpline taking those calls directly myself, um, every day was different. Yeah. But every day you'd walk away and feel like you have made a difference, you know, you have you have helped somebody. Definitely. Yeah. And over those years, have you seen the needs of the individuals that you've supported change at all? Talking both about the victims and survivors, mm-hmm. but also the needs of professionals when it comes to development awareness. So mm-hmm. I guess those are two questions. Mm-hmm. Well, in terms of, of, of victims, um, you know, it, it very much is, um, you know, the, the, the same sort of things in, in terms of Know, wanting to get out or wanting you know that advocacy support yeah um you know and, and and with professionals what we're finding is that there is that need for that awareness you yeah. know that training and that education yeah um you know that we are still finding today that professionals don't know what the statutory guidance is 
albeit that's been around since 2007, and just that echoing really what Jasmine just said, because yeah. this is what we hear from professionals on the helpline. Yeah. You know, we'll be telling them it's a criminal offence now, or there are civil orders that could protect somebody that's going to be forced to marry. Yeah. Um, you know, and the statutory guidance that has been out since 2007, you know, we... We have call handlers who have this document saved to their desktop because we send it out so much mm-hmm. every week to social workers, to police officers, um, and that literally is, as Jasmine just said, they've they've got a they've got a toolbox, and that is a fantastic tool because it tells you what you should you know and should not be doing um, you know within that within that document within that guidance when you have a disclosure of a forced marriage. So I would really encourage professionals to to get on, uh, you know, to the contact us and we can send it to you. Um, but, you know, it, it's it's there, it's on the government's website, on the forced marriage section of the Direct Gov website, this multi-agency statutory guidance. You know, read that and, um, you know, and, and sort of that will educate you in terms of how to respond to these victims. Yeah. Can, can I, if I may, just come in on the, the needs of survivors changing? Yeah. One of the things that we have clearly ensured is that we give voice to the experiences of victims and survivors since yeah. 93 to date. And one of the pressing needs that Carmen Lavana have noticed is that when that person leaves, there's no support for them yeah. at all. Yeah. Okay, you can place somebody in a, to a refuge, the journey starts there. We're talking about a victim who is fleeing multiple perpetrators, mm-hmm. who is more than likely going to be ostracised by their family and mm-hmm. disowned as I was, and then having to live a life completely on their own, very often on the run, having to change their identity to be safe, missing their families terribly, and there's no connection and their their identities are completely fractured. Mm-hmm. The pressure to go back to their family is always high, mm-hmm. you know, because they're missing them. Yeah. That if that missing consumes them, they'll go back. Mm-hmm. The family will promise them everything, mm-hmm. and they'll go back. You know, just little pieces of their family. They don't get birthday cards. They've got nobody to celebrate Eid, Diwali, or Christmas with anymore. Mm-hmm. They've just been cast out. So what we know is that's a huge void. Yeah. And we've been developing the Survivor Ambassador Programme within Carmel Nirvana for the last four years. We're launching it on June the 19th at the House of Lords. And this is the vision to develop a survivor ambassador network so that they have a membership network that they can tap into to feel part of something in their isolation. So we will do things like send them newsletters of the great success stories of survivors who are making it every single day and coming out the other end, who's graduated, who's had kids, albeit without their family. We will send them birthday cards, cards at that time of the year when you're missing your family more, so they're able to tap into it. Alongside that, we're launching the Survivor Ambassador website. Yep. And also, we are encouraging the greater visibility of survivors because any victim of any form of abuse feels alone and isolated, and very often you think it's only happening to you. What's important is to hear about the empowerment of other survivors because that will speak to the victim who's thinking about that decision, and also it will speak to that person who's left and is rebuilding their life. So that is a need that has clearly come out of our work because we, as we increase reporting and we encourage survivors to leave abuse, yep. 
yeah, there is another journey and we have to recognise that that journey needs supporting. So on the helpline also, Priya, I know that you'll get survivors calling in for emotional support mm, mm, around those sort of times in their life. Yeah, absolutely. Well. And as I was saying, you know, in the, in the evening, we, in the weekends, we've certainly seen those things because they don't have the support, for example, yeah. if they're in a refuge. But just generally, mm. you know, when... when victims leave it is it's a really difficult time it's just the start of yeah. the journey and that's why we're always encouraging victims and survivors on the helpline we provide ongoing support because yeah. we know that it is going to be a journey and everybody's journey is different and they will all develop at different stages they've all had different experiences mm. they are all individuals mm. um you know but we are there to support them because often yeah. they don't have anybody and it's letting them know that you're not alone you know albeit in a professional capacity we are just at the other end of the phone and mm. you know often when they do feel that isolated or that alone, they do, as Jasmine just said, start having thoughts about wanting to return. And yeah. often that can be the most dangerous thing mm. for them. But if they don't have anybody around, they think, well, you know, they've just gone from one situation that wasn't, you know, that was not very good, nice for them and, you know, yeah. they didn't, you know, they didn't feel comfortable in. Um, or they weren't safe or they were at risk to just another situation where, mm. you know, they're not happy. Um, so It doesn't sound like much of a... A choice, really. It's it's you. You choose to be completely ostracized and alone and scared with no support, or you choose to be Absolutely. forced into a situation like n- neither sound like. Mm-hmm. A, a but our, our victims are incredibly vulnerable, um, yeah. because they've never been allowed to integrate, yeah. have independence, freedom of thought. Yeah. So all of a sudden they're in the real world, yeah. quite naive and vulnerable. Yeah. You know, how do you manage freedom? How do you manage living a life without an honour system? Yeah. And all those rebuilding your belief and value systems and attracting unsavoury characters. They, yeah. they can be targeted mm. for sexual exploitation. You know, desperate for healthy relationships, a relationship, yeah. never having a model of a, a relationship and then a bit of attention. Mm. You know, so they are... So, the, you know, the Smile Master Programme is it's got to be that space for those individuals to tap into it. I'm really excited about it. And, you know, it is directly come out of the need and I'm 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 hoping the membership would develop through the support of organisations and through the helpline as well, where, you know, survivors will be encouraged to become part of that. I, I tell you, I've never had a birthday card from one member of my family since I was 16 years old. I've, I gave birth to three children, no mother was there. I have grandchildren now, you know, my daughter was married, no family there. So... You know, at those times you feel it. I'm 52 this year. I'm still a survivor on that journey. Mm -hmm. I'm human. Yeah. You know, so, you know, at the end of the day, it's important for survivors to recognise it's a shared journey, but it's one you can overcome. And this is what the programme will do. It sounds like an amazing programme. We're excited. Yeah, that sounds good. Um, The other question I had... Um, is that I kind of thinking about how the needs of um, survivors change over time. I recently met with Dr. Sundari Anitha, um, and she talked about kind of a newly recognised form of abuse that's developed around transnational marriage abandonment and how she thinks it's one that's kind of developed kind of uh, in response to DV concession, kind of perpetrators mm-hmm. using new means of um, controlling, coercing, and isolating um, their partners, especially when they want to leave that relationship. Is that something that you've seen as a newly recognised form of abuse, one that's already been there for a long time? I think we, we've been dealing with it for quite a few years now, and I yeah. think it's transitioned to maybe that there have probably been people when you know before the helpline that you know when when the project had just started, when the mm. charity had just started. But you know, it's something certainly that 
on the helpline, we, we never sort of provided training around. We know we sort of set up to support, um, you know, we're a UK-based charity. Yeah. Um, but then we are getting calls from women who are within the UK, or men alike, mm-hmm. who have been, you know, sponsored into the country as somebody's, you know, husband or wife, and then yeah. experienced that abuse from, you know, from there. But, it, you know, there, there's domestic abuse within that, but there's also honour-based abuse, yeah. not just from the in-laws, yeah. uh, but often, you know, we'll have women saying to us that if I go back, you know, mm-hmm. I don't want to be with this man, and I could get a divorce, you know, but if I go back, then I'm at risk. Yeah. I'll either be forced to marry somebody else, mm-hmm. or I'll be killed yeah. in many cases. So, um, you know, we, we are hearing, a, you know, we, we've seen that sort of over the last, I would say, six or seven, certainly since I've been, you know, yeah. at Carmen Nirvana, we used to have the Sojourner Project, when I first started, mm. um, and then that sort of merged into the, the DV concession, which we have now. Yeah. I think those are all of my questions, unless you had anything else that you felt you really wanted to, to say. Yeah. I think men, actually, yeah. Priya. Okay. We've, not, we've not spoken about men, and we do support men. Yep, mm. yep. You know. Yeah, I think I mentioned in my introduction that we will support anybody yep um but yeah i think it's certainly an important one because we do support men yeah um, and we're seeing a, an increase you know in oh, calls for men we okay. went from 14 percent to 17 and now we're on 24 percent yeah you know, of calls for men and we would strongly encourage men to come forward mm-hmm. because yeah. they are affected you know yeah. it, it's not a, an issue which you know sort of judges you by you know by um, on, on your gender you know mm-hmm. it, it can affect anybody mm-hmm. um you know and we know that men men contact us you know those they'll feel things like, you know, should I really be contacting, I'm a man, should I just be getting, you know, getting on with it, um, you know, as I'm sure for, you know, other types of abuses as well, some, some you know, we, we hear that men sort of have the same feelings, they, they yeah. feel the same way, but we would encourage men to contact us because they are victims and they deserve that support equally and, you know, and all our helpline staff, as I said, are, are trained to provide that support. Um, you know, there are specific services for men as well, such as, you know, we, we have women's refugees, they're refugees for men. Yep. Um, you know, we support many men to leave those situations safely. Mm-hmm. You know, so it may be that they have been forced to marry and they've returned back to the UK and been forced to marry abroad and they want to leave because they don't feel safe. Because the additional pressure on returning is you have to sponsor your wife to this country. Um, you know, you have to have a family with this person, you know, and it's it's nothing that they want. They haven't consented to any of this. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we may help them to, to move to safe accommodation, yeah. male refuge. You know, they may not want to sponsor that person over to this country. We will help them around, you know, their, their feelings of being a reluctant sponsor, um, you know, and, and providing emotional support, you know, if they need the advocacy support to go to the, you know, the police or whatever it might be. They they have the the, the access to the same support. Yep. Um, you know, we, we support anybody on the helpline. That's really good to know. Thank you very much for having me come to your office and meet with you, you. And, and talking to me. It's been really interesting. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to find out more about Safe Life Spotlight on honour-based violence and forced marriage, please go to our website, safelives.org.uk where we'll be uploading new content every week, each exploring a different aspect of honour-based violence and forced marriage. If you'd like to participate in the discussion, you can join in the live Twitter Q&A conversation on the 8th of June, between 10 and 11am. Just go to hashtag your choice. And if you need to contact Karma Nirvana, please give them a ring on 0800 5999 247. 
They're open seven days a week, between 9am and 9pm, Monday to Friday, and 10am and 4pm, Saturday and Sunday. Thank you.